surprise part two if you were here for the tier list uh and if you weren't to explain we weren't expecting this to be a two-parter we, yeah, like, we uh went a little off the rails during the 10 movies and it took us like three hours real time and yeah it, it went off the rails quick at this point i'm just happy we have not talked at all and we're not going to about tier listing the transformers movies because the fast x one brad i think rightfully was like yeah we'll be done with the tier list of the fast movies in like 10 20 minutes you know that'll be good and then we'll jump into fast x we spent an hour on that tier list (laughs) (laughs) before we got into the review movies or no 10 10 movies yeah so it wasn't that bad and then with this one, we did three hours just for the tier list. So well, if we did Transformers, it would be five hours of the tier list, four hours and 55 minutes of that. Me just being, I wish Michael Bay had quit sooner. <laughs> All we need to do for Transformers is like, is this movie good or is this movie bad? Just two tiers. <laughs> watch it or don't watch it. I mean, that'd be easy. It would end up being for me the first one on the edge and all the others including four and five which i have not seen uh, being in the poison area and having to admit that i cried in one of the michael bay films uh and then uh bumblebee right above it i've not seen bumblebee but i've seen four and five and with uh marky mark and i don't know those aren't those aren't bad i didn't i didn't i didn't not like them if that makes sense well to not get in the way of this review, really quickly, all I'll say is easily, and I haven't seen four and five, but easily Bumblebee takes the cake without being very, without being flawless. Like, okay. basically, they copied E.T., but gave no forward momentum, kind of, but you don't really feel it because you're just like... I'm just enjoying myself. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> but it's kind of like, we'll all hang out. And then the Decepticon showed up. <laughs> so I heard that that Bumblebee, that that movie had a banging soundtrack, but not as banging as Across the Spider-Verse. Transition. <laughs> Boom. Great, great transition. <laughs> and I think you could Mad Libs any other movie in that front spot. <laughs> Besides maybe some Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. Uh, Great start because I wanted to talk about the music. But before then, I want to say Spot, the villain of the week. There is a giveaway that's ending on that's being announced on Wednesday, the 14th. So if you want to get on in on that giveaway, click the link for the Instagram post on the right at the top and follow those instructions to get in. But if you want that, uh, it's a... I think actually pretty cool uh, spot toy, which is why I wanted to give it away. It's spot, but also with the spots and his like disjointed arms separated. Uh, Hmm. So if you want that, it's totally free because you can be entered in the giveaway completely free. But anyway, the music. So, I've meditated on this a lot because by now I've seen it five times. And if I had AM an extra AMC A list this week, I would have seen it again today <laughs> just to refresh. But just refresh. Holy cow. Because I, <laughs> I saw it yesterday, the last time. It's been forever. Um, but I heard a lot of reactions saying this one, like the music was great in the first movie, but this one, like, 
just nailed it. Just found the perfect combination to get all the music in. And I'm interested in your thoughts on it, but I was thinking about that because in this movie, when the music comes like three different parts, I felt, Ooh, we just vibing. Like when, when uh, Peter's sitting down on it or laying down in his bed and Gwen comes through the, the whatever, the wormhole that just felt like vibes. And there was earlier moments and later, I mean, when they're swinging, that feels like vibes. So yeah, that's what I was going to mention is when they're swinging through and just talking back and forth and kind of just hanging out before they go up to um, the party. Um, they yeah. Just, yeah. It just feels, it just feels like two friends hanging out and there's just a, a soundtrack in the background that is just like fits that perfectly for two friends catching up and kind of explaining everything. And it just, it worked out really well. Um, the music was done by uh, Daniel Pemberson, Pemberton. Um, which he did an interview with the real Ben podcast that I would recommend anyone do. Apparently this movie of course had a shit ton of animators, but they only had him and his music assistant for the whole film. And he said the last month and he's been working on this film for years. I think he said, and he said the last film was him waking up early, staying till midnight, going home, sleeping, coming back, wake the whole last month. Um, tell, tell me if you think, if you agree with this, cause for me, I was thinking like, okay, so there are some scenes that like are good. And then imagining the filmmakers going through and be like, what song should we put on this? Ooh, this is the banger. This is the, this is the like song that, Ooh, that's perfect or really great for the scene. Then there are times when like they start with the song it's like, let's model the scene to be with it. And then of course there are times when there's score like original music made this, the music in this film felt like a fourth option where it was like, all right, we're looking for the score and then holy shit, this music just exists to be that score. And by the way, I know that in the first movie, like they made original songs for the movie and I'm sure they did it again here, but like, and and they remixed songs too. Yeah, but like that first movie felt like that first option, the first or second option where it's like, we're looking for the music and oh, this is the perfect song or we're starting with the music and we're building the scene. Did is, is anything I'm saying does it even make sense. And if it does, does it, did it hit you? Like this is somehow music that existed to be score and it's perfect. Yeah, I would say everything blended seamlessly. Like, um, there was times where you're watching, or I was watching the movie, and just all of a sudden started bumping, and I don't know why. I'm just like nodding my head, like with the music, with the score, and just you forget that it's a part of the movie. It just it everything is so encompassed into one that it was just like it was the movie. Um, there's songs that'll do that to you that'll take you out of a time and place and put you somewhere else. It was almost like that, but this, but the time and place was that movie and. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure cause I haven't gone back and listened to the, the soundtrack or the score. I don't know if I could listen to that without being put right back into the movie and putting, being put right back in the scenes. Kind of like, um, the intro to, uh, guardians two when they're fighting that big worm thing. Oh yeah. Um, until the batteries. Like I can <laughs> listen to that song. Uh, was it, mm, I can hear the song, but I, it's not Mr. Brightside, but it's not Mr. Brightside. It's, 
All right. While there's, you look that up, there's that there's that song. Yeah, if you want to look that up, I'll give a little uh, story about that. I bought tickets for me and my friend, or I organized that to see it with friends at IMAX, and a friend and his wife were running just a little bit late, and they came right after Baby Groot's dance to that song. And I was like, "Hey, uh, you just missed the best part of the entire movie." <laughs> <laughs> so you have like as a joke, but also as a like you you need to go see this again because you want to see that sequence. I would assume it's Spirit in the Sky. No, that's not it. Ah, well, well. Spirit in the Sky, I think, is when Baby Groot is on the glass in the Milano, and then they lift off. Um, yeah, it, I mean, I can, I can hear the song. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I can hear the song in my head, but um, yeah. yeah, I mean, but so that's that's a song that I listen to, and I think of that movie. Yeah, where you know, if I were to listen to the soundtrack of this, I mean, I would just be visualizing this movie the whole way through, and um it almost feels like the and that's and that in guardians instance it's a very good song with a very good movie yeah where this is is a very good song and movie combo that i don't know if i would change anything about that um so most of the score and most of the music in this thing is fantastic i would say if i was going to score this against the (laughs) no pun intended against the first one <laughs> um i would i would rate this just a little bit higher than the last one the last movie was really good when it came to scoring when it came to music i would say that this one just was a little bit better i think some of the things that they did really well with that was also the like um english punk rock spider-man um when he came on and he they kind of had like a old school punk sex pistols type of sound um when he comes on screen and stuff like that was was pretty awesome you rate it overall a little bit better uh, in yes. the music specifically. Okay. In the, in the, well, I'm saying in the music specifically in this, in this category of music, I would rate it just a little bit better than the first movie. All right. So I've got two quick things. One is I know exactly what you meant about being in the theater. I don't, I should have written it down or something, but there are, of those three vibe moments, there's, I know that one of them makes me, I don't know how to describe this. All right. Imagine you're in the Dolby seats and it's reclined back by the way. No, I shouldn't say it. All right. I'll have to say it now, but the best way to see this movie, I think is like the second from front row in a Dolby theater, just reclined and looking up. But I didn't want to say that because now today when we're recording it at least in my area transformers took all the dolby <laughs> screens and i'm like son of a ah! um but there would be one song where like i'd be bopping my whole body like literally from my ankles to my shoulders just like bouncing in the seat and then another song where i'm just like grooving my head and neck and shoulders i don't i don't know why it just hit every time it hit that specific reaction in my body. I don't know. Um, But the second thing was uh, the animator or one of the main animators was talking on Twitter about um, spider punk. Is he? And saying that like, while most of the movie is animated on twos, which means that, if it's going at 24 frames a second, which it is, uh, every character is going at 12 frames a second. So every other frame they move. Um, and I think I heard that in Into the Spider-Verse, Miles starts that way, but then he goes on ones, which is he's moving at 24 frames a second, meaning he he's moving smoother in the third act. So I don't know what his 
uh, animation is in this movie. If they never mind, I'm going down a different side. Anyway, they said that uh, I think he Spider Punk is not animated on twos. He's animated on threes, and his guitar and outline is animated on ones. And then some other part of him is either animated on fours or twos, literally just to make him even more punk rock. <laughs> like, he won't it even conform to the all the rules of the establishment. Yeah. Yeah. And there was another animator who responded to that. It was like, yeah, I was in charge of, I think the, um, the guitar and he started adding all this weird shit that just would make it more complicated down the line. So he's like, maybe, maybe this will just be taken out for ease, but they loved it so much. They kept it. So it was like <sighs> these movies, Sony should be pay paying everyone double because it's, and I think after these two movies, they will be <laughs> with the box office that it's making, but these are movies that are just fueled by passion. I'm sure people worked more hours off the clock, which is not good. Um, technically speaking, uh, or morally, I guess, uh, just because they had passion and they wanted to put that passion into this. Like, I mean, even the musician, again, I'm going to say real blend that interview. There's also an interview with Lord and Miller on there, but it is just so fascinating to hear him. And I'm not a music guy. Like I'll sit down, uh, sit me down and play Taylor Swift's love story and I'll enjoy myself. Not as much as the score. Don't worry, <laughs> but I will enjoy myself just well enough. <laughs> um, as I would listening to like Beethoven's fifth. Like I can watch tar and just uh, key into that. And then I can watch pitch perfect and be like, I mean, pitch perfect is a masterpiece. Let's all be honest. And just be like, how dare you? No, how dare you? I no, went I, into that movie. Hell no. no, no, I gotta say this. I went into that movie feel one. I didn't see it in theaters. Cause I was obsessed with glee at the time. I was like, Psh, they just cash grabbing glee. Psh, they just they wish they could be as cool as glee and then i heard so much about it that i i think i red boxed it and watched it at home and uh they're like i saw the sun i'm like okay all right they're they're doing good singing and then just a vomit volcano out of one of the i was like <gasps> to quote this movie i retract my previous statement <laughs> and i was in it uh, how dare you this is that's almost as much of a crime to the internet that as you say that spider-man 2 is bad <laughs> no uh better movie than better movie than that right would be uh will farrow in eurovision um the song contest i wouldn't say personally that that is as structurally good as a movie but it's amazing and it did make me cry it is powerful. I think they're, for me, I think their grades would end up evening out because, of course, a Will Ferrell movie's got a little more fat on it and that's not body shaming. <laughs> He's got a beautiful bod. <laughs> um, but like every Will Ferrell, even Spirited, which I love and I've cried so many times <laughs> and I'm like everybody should watch. I'm like, it has his cake and eats it too. <laughs> this is not a movie that's gonna go and be like, you are structurally perfect. <laughs> Spirited, which is a movie that we have reviewed in the past. If you want to 
go back towards the end of December, early January and find that. Dang, he's got he's got I'm Brad's got this podcast down like I've got seasons one and two of Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs> and uh oh, what was their name on Discord? I'm gonna shout about uh has on uh it's about Peacemaker. I'm I'll get it. Nope, I'm gonna be slow with it. Uh, uh, making noise to make it somehow interesting, but it's not. Um oh, my, my Discord likes to be dumb. What? My Discord likes to be dumb. Uh, it just it, it freezes up and then and then it'll jump to some random spot and I gotta keep scrolling and then I'll do it again. So my oh, computer Yeah. I'm making gotcha. noise. Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. Oh, I appreciate it. Uh Torsix Flag apparently has watched Peacemaker forty five times. So uh, no um Ted Lasso forty five times. No, me no, you'll see. You'll see. Oh, okay. This is a recent conversation. I just wanted to shout it out because it was relevant. Um oh, I thought it was Ted Lasso forty five times and then maybe I misread the conversation earlier. Yeah, I've I think I've done probably thirty five to forty times at this point. But uh all right. So I actually want to ask this. What now that you've seen the movie, what did you think about the trailers? I I still have yet to see the trailers. I have no interest in seeing the trailers for a movie that I get excited about. I try and try not to watch the trailers. Sometimes it's really hard when you go into movie theaters and they play the trailer for you, and you're just like, mm, I was kind of trying to stay away from that. Um, I've so definitely I, I, done the ear earphones in just preparing for Guardians and across the Spider Verse. Yeah, so I've not watched a single trailer on this at all. I even after seeing the movie, I still haven't gone back to watch the trailer. Just because I know it won't be, it'll hype me up to watch the movie again. I can't. I don't have the. I don't have the time to go watch it a second time. Touche. Um, all right. So I have watched the trailers. It, it, one, it's interesting because when you do have it at your disposal or whatever, um, it's interesting to go back and see what animation differences there are. Like, I, I assume there's going to be several, and I assume there's going to be some story tweaks because there almost yeah. always are. I mean, just go back to like Black Adam, the um, the tinting on it. Everybody got an uproar about the tinting on the trailer, so they untinted it and for the movie. So I assume yeah. that they're going to make little tweaks. Uh, I mean, the obvious one is the first teaser we ever got was Miles going through to the Indi- India in uh, that first world or whatever after Gwen, but um, Spider-Man 2099 like tackles him. <laughs> Obviously, it doesn't happen, but the two moments that I think are funniest in there, and I haven't even gotten to my point, but when the guy says, there's nowhere else to run, my bad, guys, there was somewhere to run. None of the people in the background are there at all. It's just him. And I think when I rewatched it, I'm pretty sure that nobody moves. So they were like, okay, we got to get a still image drawn in the background. And then when Miles runs over the webbing of the spider woman and then it all collapses instead when everybody goes up it like bounces everybody up which doesn't i'm sure they change that like, like very cartoony yeah i got I was, they were probably like that those physics don't work um <laughs> but the weirdest part is that most of the trailers are focusing on the big emotional moment in the third act or uh, it has to be the third act because the action sequence, but of miles, like drawing all the spider people away from 
the go home machine. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm not going to criticize them too hard for not making it clear to part one. They should have. I mean, I get it because apparently having a title that says part one will make you less money like tangibly. So they tend to change it. I think they did a good enough job of making this kind of a standalone ish. Uh, and we'll get into that later, but like focus on the spot, <laughs> focus on the first part of the movie. What they, it was like show. This is one of those times where they showed you the whole movie, but unlike Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, you didn't know it. <laughs> so I, in terms of that, of just like relying heavily on all the third act shit, totally get everyone who's like what the fuck this is a part one because yeah i mean there was several that, that comment was made several times walking out of theater that they were like oh i can't believe it ended right there how how you know i didn't know it was gonna be a, a part two or um there's somebody else that made a comment something something similar to um that they felt like it was an incomplete movie so yeah just that's all i'm saying just like if you're gonna surprise people unintentionally with a part one don't reveal most of the emotional parts in the last act of the movie. The, the only way they could have been worse is if they showed uh, the other Miles Morales, which, by the way, I found out was voiced by a different actor. Really? Yeah, I just figured it was Shamik Moore saying, uh, adding a little extra Hispanic accent because, of course, if his dad died 10 years ago or something, he'd pick up more from his mom but no it's a different actor who you'd recognize uh i'm gonna look that up really quick but that's all i wanted to say like that's really freaking weird for them to focus so much it was kind of like actually you know what it makes perfect sense because it was kind of like the amazing spider-man 2 where they kept showing that ending fucking fight with the rhino <laughs> stop showing that if you're not gonna show any more um so I don't know if you picked this up or not. You probably did over the courses of um, four, five, six, nine watches um, that we now have an actor that has been in three Marvel movies and played a solid main character in all three movies. Solid all three, all, all, all three um, characters in different three different Marvel. properties. Are you saying, or would yes. in three different okay. Marvel properties? All right, let me think about this without look because I'm about to look at the cast list to talk about that other Spider-Man actor. But all right, oh, Mahershala Ali. Um, he was in. Okay, that's not all right. So let me. I'm gonna keep going the, through it because the first one I was gonna say is Brian Tyree Henry, who I think I previously said Brian Tyree Henson on accent because uh, he's in this and in Into the Spider Verse and he's in Eternals. But Mahershala Ali is. Oh wait, he's not yet. Well, technically, he was in his voice is in the post credit scene of Eternals, but he's going to be in Blade. He was also in the first season of Luke Cage, and he was uh, uh, Uncle Aaron in this one. But let me keep thinking. All right, main character. Oh, Haley Steinfeld, probably no, no, because she's in Hawkeye and this. Shmeek Moore has not been in the MCU that I know. Um, uh, Rio's no. Oh. Uh, well, no, I don't remember. The, the actor who plays Indian Spider-Man was in Deadpool two, uh, 2 and 1, which is technically now MCU, but that was Marvel. 
What else could he have been in? Uh, I don't know if it's Taika, because I don't know if Taika Waititi was in this, but he was in, no, Green Lantern was DC. Um, uh, We're getting deep in this. We're getting deep. Nick Cage, no, he's not. uh, Let's see. Let me just go. I'm going to cheat now because I'm wasting too much time of people, but I want to get the actor's name who was the other Miles. And then I'll just, I'm just going to go down the cast list and see if I can figure it out. Uh, cheating. Okay. Jarell Jerome was Miles G. Morales. And he was in, uh, he was in Moonlight. And I think, did it say that he's, oh, he's in some, he was in Moonlight. Uh, I'm not going to present it, but you'd recognize him if you. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let me look through. So it this, is, this name should pop pretty quick. As soon as you, as soon as you see this name, it should pop. Like he was a, he was, um, guys, say, it, no, say no more. Say <laughs> I'll, I'll get J not Jake Johnson. Oh, Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Just wait. All right. So wait, he was in moon Knight. He's in this and thir- he's, a third he's one. In, or, wait, let me, he's, he's in a series that you really like. You have a pot. You had a podcast. A Marvel. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, because they would. Oh, oh, well, the most boring X Men movie doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't yeah, the, but he's the main villain in Apocalypse. <laughs> uh, he no, is, a, he is Apocalypse. A so uh, a buddy three, of mine will say, like, he even bought my ticket. I think to that movie, and the whole movie, I was just like this until the speed sequence. So I was like, and after that, I was like this until. Quicksilver almost said that he was Magneto's son, and I was like, uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh, couldn't even get that right. Jesus Christ! <laughs> but yeah, so now he is—he's been three major characters across three major, three major characters in three different um, Marvel series. Mm. Boom! But, I mean, I think that's—I think that's pretty awesome. I think he did a really, really good job as Moon Knight, and I think he was the. Um, what he was the ultimate was he spider-man 20 2099 or whatever yeah in this movie he was the like the headmaster head guy i don't know what you want to call him leader of the clan oh like the dumbledore <laughs> yeah well he's like the one pulling all the strings in the movie yeah which all right let's which, get into that because i wouldn't classify that as a bad guy i don't know yet though because yeah. Uh, this is this is the thing when he was talking about his um what would you call it when he destroyed his world that that world that he inhabited you see people blinking away and then in india you see a black hole start at the bottom and so there's not a consistency there in terms of breaking the canon also i wonder if if we're going to find out that it's not actually canon, that is, this is all just some structural thing that he's, he's invented, especially since they mentioned Dr. Strange and they're never like, you have, you've broken the kit. You know, there's not, obviously there's not going to be consistency with that or even other stuff like Loki and their time variance society or whatever, uh, TV authority. Um, like, what just happened right before that black hole happened? Alchemex got destroyed. Like, w- what if that was just 
because of the collider, it was a new black hole or even like maybe the collider going off caused the black hole because it was a fucking spot. <laughs> yeah. Or if there is something that would break the canon, maybe it's just not always Spider-Man. Maybe it's it could be anything because obviously we saw in in the multiverse of madness that some worlds can just get destroyed because of some something's off. But like, yeah. Yes, yeah, I mean I think so far out of the out of the majority of the time travel multiverse movies, I would say that I like this way the best. I think this way is the cleanest so far that we've gotten gotten. Because with any time travel movie, there's so many different like flaws and they just kind of like give you the gloss over and just like, all right, accept it. Here's the rules and accept it. And, and are you including go, everything everywhere all at once in that? Um Every, Which is, yeah, it's fine because that's that's kind of a chaos. <laughs> that's a bunch of chaos. Yeah, it's like the chaos version of this. Yeah. Um, but I think they do. I think this movie does time travel multiverse very very well, and very very clear and very very understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's still some going to be some flaws and some loopholes in it a little bit. Um, you know, being able to travel in between worlds with a bracelet and stuff like that to not mess up anything, despite you telling everybody what you're doing and every there's one person there, all the Spider-Mans know each other. And then some of them don't hang out at their home world. They hang out at HQ or whatever. So there are some, there are some like little hiccups and like tweaks and how you can do it. But I think this movie does it very well, very clean, uh, very understanding for somebody who doesn't really have an idea or maybe didn't watch a bunch of time travel movies or multiverse movies that um, knows kind of how this stuff's supposed to work. So, but I think they do a really clean, simple, understanding way of doing this and uh, kind of a clear way of how they travel in between worlds and the go home machine. I thought was pretty, pretty ingenious too, to kind of help out. All right. So let me ask you this. How old do you think Hobie Brown is? Who's Hobie Brown? Uh, spider punk. Oh, um, I'm going to go like mid fifties because I'm going to say he was like a big fan of like the sex pistols in the day. Wait, the spider punk, like mid mid fifties, just because of his like, even with that skin. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I I asked cause I'm going to say he's got really good skin. Okay. I okay. This is gonna be really <laughs> awkward when I get to the top. But basically, I thought he was like t- mid twenties, maybe thirty something. Mainly because when I found out who he was voiced by, I think it, it was uh, Daniel Kaluuya, and I found out it was Daniel Kaluuya, the Get Out guy, and he was in Black Panther one. Uh, okay. Uh, would you would you turn against me, my love, for Wakanda? <laughs> Um, so i was like okay he's more adult and like i think the first time we see his face is black and white so i guess age could be harder but when i asked maddie uh my daughter she said eight she thought 18 which was like oh okay yeah he just has big hair (laughs) or something or like spider-man the reason i'm asking is because when when they're talking about gwen like leaving stuff at his place including toothbrushes and feeling comfortable enough to steal his shoes essentially yeah i was like okay so we're just establishing they've done something physical 
probably, you know, it's, it's or, or at least really, really, really close friends. If not. Yeah. They, they're either the closest, uh, if everyone is cisgendered because, um, there is a lot of trans coloring in Gwen's world and she has a trans kid protect trans li- trans kids sign in her room. If we're pretending everyone, if we're assuming everyone's cis, uh, Okay, it still makes sense. <laughs> I was just like, wait, maybe I need to ask your sis. If we're pretending everyone's cis, either they are the closest male female friends in the whole dang world and they've known each other three months, or something's happened. <laughs> and they're like, he's like, yeah, you know, babe, whenever you come out, I can't do a British accent, especially not a Cockney accent. Uh, I got no Scooby Doo about how to do that. <laughs> but. I think if he's supposed to be 18, I I personally love how it turned out. I know somebody, some review talked about how others had mentioned it was a love triangle, which I think we can agree. It's not a love triangle. If people don't care, if they're not being adversarial, it's just a love or a, a relationship history. Um, or op- options. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. Like I, if, Hobie Brown is supposed to be 18 and Miles is 15 with Gwen. She's 15 months older based on the info in the first one. So she's either 17 or based on when their birthdays would be in the year uh, throughout the year. She could technically be 18 or no. Yeah. I don't know. She's at least, she could be 17 or one other. I'm like, okay. I like that, like, because what they haven't seen each other in eighteen months, because Miles said he's been a Spider-Man for one year and six months, right? I don't, I don't remember exactly. Something like that. They've, they've, they haven't seen each other for over a year. I like that she didn't. That we're not imagining that she put her whole life, her, uh, her physical life on hold with the idea that well yes of course i will never see him again in my whole dang life but on the million to one chance that i somehow do i should save myself for all of time well especially considering she was she was specifically told that she could not go to his world yeah so i mean at that point like when your bosses are basically saying you will never go there um I mean, you can't really put your entire life on hold. Yeah, it's basically the same thing as before. She just knows she that the technology exists. So, um, I like that. And as far as like, I think ultimately the only two things Miles ever says against Hobie Brown are, uh, "I didn't know much about you because she's barely mentioned you." Like that's the closest thing to being like an insecure guy. <laughs> jab and he quickly gets over that and i he also said uh this guy's killing me but that's right after hobie brown's like i don't uh i don't believe in st- structures or whatever he's like but you're in a band i don't believe in consistency <laughs> like on a first watch i do want to be like jesus christ this guy's a lot <laughs> um he, but yeah he definitely was a lot because i've only seen it once he was definitely like like conforming but not conforming saying (laughs) saying he wasn't conforming but he was actually being part of the team he was 
helping out um, Spider-Man 20, 2099, but also helping out Miles Morales, too. Yeah. He's kind of he's kind of playing both sides of the fence. And we'll um, get to why it still works with the punk rock thing. But I really like Hobie with him because with Miles, because the first thing and I checked first thing he ever says to Miles is next time use the whole hands like he's mm-hmm. being helpful. And yeah. then uh, I forget what else he says to him. But after that. The next thing Miles said, or after all of that, my, when they're in the elevator going to uh, Nueva York, he and he takes off the mask. Miles is, oh, I remember. He said, uh, "No, Miles doesn't want to go to the. Uh, we're too cool to go to the office or whatever." <laughs> like he's trying to support Miles and being an independent person and not conforming. <laughs> uh, so then, when they're in the elevator, Miles is just in love with him, rightfully so. He's like, how are you even cooler under the mask? <laughs> um, so Sorry. I really like. Sorry, bruv. Yeah, I love that we didn't do even for two seconds because we did have the one comment of she barely even mentioned you. Uh, not even for two seconds do we have some guy conflict, and even earlier than that, when Gwen is talking about her and Peter. Or not Peter, wow. Her and Miles, I was thinking Spider-Man. Um, she's like, you and I are different. Like, some things, uh, honestly, like life, we can have breaks uh, between our interactions with certain people, and we can have physical relationships with others, and it's fine. But then there's just something different. I, I just liked it. Um, I mean, I will say... This movie has a really good cast, like a real, real good core group of uh, people between, well, just the main group, I guess, would be Miles, Gwen, and um, Hobie would be kind of be the main three for, for the majority of the movie. Um, I really, as good as those guys are, and then Spider B, or Parker B comes back, and then we kind of get um, his daughter and stuff like that. But I think the core group of people in the first movie was really. Um, was slightly better than this movie because they were so, just so good at introducing the, that whole cast of characters mm. between Spider-Man Noir, Spider-Pig, um, B- Peter B. Parker. Um, I think that I think that that core group was a lot better, or not a lot better, was better than this movie's core group of people. If I'm comparing the two, I personally don't know what my opinion on that is because. I I know that in my mind with the first one, I was like, oh, wow, you you directors and Lord and Miller and writers and everyone found a really creative way to listen to Avi Arad's direction to shove extra spider people <laughs> in for toys. Like, you did an elegant job with Peter uh, or Penny um, with uh, Spider-Ham. Peter Porker and Spider-Man Noir elegant way but I didn't I don't know if I got I don't know if I connected to those three characters because they were quickly introduced and they didn't have the same screen time as the other three Hmm. Um, you you did with Peter B obviously Um, you, you did get some backstory with them um 
I just that core group, um, the way that they interacted with each other, I think I thought was be- slightly better. Not just take away from this movie. This movie was really fun. Um, when Gwen came back and they do the catch up scene and everything, and then meeting Hobie, and then the whole um, HQ scenes and stuff like that, where they redid um, the Spider Man meme to even more of an extent than um, than uh, into the Spider Verse, or no, not into Spider Verse, the um, Far From Home, when they have all three Spider Mans partying at each other. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, what I will, s- I think, I know what m- I. Th- well, this is one theory. The first film, besides once they're at, after Alchemax, once uh, Doc Ock is chasing them, in that movie, it, it might be the fact that those three characters, Spider-Gwen, Peter B. Parker, and Miles, all stick together consistently until then we add the other three, and then they always stick together consistently. Whereas in this film, it's much more... Like the first 20 minutes are Gwen, and then the next 15 minutes is Miles alone, and then it's him and Gwen for for the rest of the film. Sure, they're consistent, but then they are with Indian Spider-Man, which I want to talk about um, in the development process. It was really cool, uh, but then and then they add Hobie in for a little bit. Then goodbye, Indian spider-man and it's hobie for a bit with gwen and miles and then uh what is it uh miguel comes in so they talk they do the uh the explainy thing and (laughs) goodbye hobie again so or uh, peter b comes in and then goodbye hobie and so i think yeah, I, I agree with you structurally. Definitely, everyone has a lot more time in the first film to have chemistry with everybody, and this one it's it's more inconsistent. Like they don't have a. I think we'll get that in the third one, when which will be great. Thirteen freaking characters, or however many were on that were on that rooftop at the end when she's like, "I got, I made my own band. Want to join?" That's gonna be magic. But yeah, so I would say it's on. Yeah, this one can't be, but I think I liked. I think I liked the variety of these more, maybe. I don't know. I'm just still in love with this film. Okay, so the Indian Spider Man. uh, The, I guess, I think the animators said, hey, maybe we can make Indian Spider Man cool. And then they talked to the actor. Is like, what do you want to contribute? And he contributed the chai tea and non-bread stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. what? And even the, I think I talked about how in this film, Rio is like a, f- a full, full character instead of just a really good supporting character-esque. And that also came out of a her own talk with her mother. She, she was like, what'd you think of Into the Spider-Verse? She was like, Really disappointing because you weren't a full uh, full character. What Puerto Rican, right? Her character's Puerto Rican. Uh, you weren't full. You got to And she's like, "What do you want me to do, mommy?" And it's like, "Go to like you want me to tell Phil to do better." And she's like, "Yes." <laughs> she she. I think I don't blame her because the rest of Hollywood has proven that that's what you should do is just keep your mouth shut uh, if you are a minority and your boss is white, which Phil 
Lord and Chris Miller are definitely white, but she went to him and she was like, what about this? And he was like, let's do it. She's like, really? It's like, like if 10% of people in the audience get it, it's worth it. You know, I don't, I don't get it. I'm a white boy. (laughs) (laughs) And I've heard before I heard that interview where she talked about that, I'd heard like three or four different people be like, and they included the like Puerto Rican permission thing, which I don't know. I don't know what that is because I'm a dumb white boy. Um, but I, I just love the collaborative process on these films so freaking much. Was there more Spanglish in this movie? I don't remember in the last movie there being as much English and Spanish mix um, because his mom speaks a lot of um, Spanish. You, as somebody who doesn't doesn't speak Spanish, doesn't speak a lot of Spanish. Um, I can still get the grasp of what she's saying based on Miles's responses and kind of her body language and everything. So I can kind of understand, but I don't remember there being as much like uh, Spanglish in the last movie. I would say, hmm. So I think Miles is with his family for again fifteen minutes before he goes into the other Earth. So. I don't know if throughout the entire, and that's the last time he sees Rio, like his Rio until for the rest of the film. So I would say there might be more Spanglish in the first film, but per minute with mom, like cumulatively, if you wrote it all down, there might be more, but cumulatively per minute with mom, there's more in this. Okay. I would guess. I do know that I have to watch on subtitles because every time I tried figuring out what she said right before Miles said, is that Spanglish? Because I don't get it. That's the one moment I still don't get um, in the whole film. I was like, what did she s-? Okay. She said like two words and I don't know what they were. And I don't know if his question, is that Spanglish an insult or not? <laughs> I don't- or, or if he's just like, wait, is that an English word? Is that a Spanish word? What are you trying to tell me? Kind of thing. Yeah, I, 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 if I had to bet, I'm guessing he's mocking her for something, but because I don't know what she says, I just don't understand it. Uh, great segue into, did you understand what that first cough on the screen was? Or were you late to the movie? I was not late to the movie. I don't remember a cough, though. All right, so before the credit, before those like Columbia Pictures and Sony credits start, there is in the bottom right corner of the screen an on screen like cough animation that looks in the spider. You know, when someone said, when it says boom in comics. Oh, like a comic book, like, yeah. Yeah, there's a little splash of that. Apparently, I didn't know the second thing I'm going to share with you. Uh, So don't, don't quote me on it, but. I know from the commentaries of 22 Jump Street that in the theater mix, they put right before the credits start a cough in the back right quarter of the theaters. So so if you're sitting down in the back right quarter of the movie theater, let's pretend there's a aisle behind you or whatever. Right before the credits started, you'd hear and just assume that the person behind you coughed and apparently they did it again with spider verse uh into the spider verse um i don't know if this if that happened with into the spider verse i don't know if this applies but i know that 
they had to go through so many levels of approval in Sony to have that cough there. And at the end of the day, they were like, I don't think it's disrespect. I think it was over like the first credit or something. It's like, I don't think it's disrespectful to the logo, but you're not allowed to put that in the home mix. And I get it. I get it. Uh, they were imagining someone with like your setup with surround sound. And then right before the movie starts, it goes <coughs> like <laughs> thinking that someone's in their home. So I love, I love that they found a way to, if I don't, I still don't know if there's a sound mix. Cause I've never sat in the back right corner watching this movie. Uh, but at least now they've got it burned in <laughs> forever. You'll see it the next time you watch it. Sorry to tease you back <laughs> to, to cinema. Um, yeah, but that's that's super interesting. I mean, there was a quite a bit of comic booky um, logo, not so much logos, but like titles and stuff like that. And they would put a lot of like in the, but it's always super quick. And when this movie is such a um, artistic masterpiece that everything is popping and colors and splash and everything else that a lot of times it's really hard to read those except for like the big titles when they introduced like a city or a planet or a world or whatever. Um, it, it was it, perfect for the first vulture fight when uh, Miguel says like, I don't know what he, he says. He has a bottomless wallet <laughs> and like in the corners, like bottomless wallet can have a bunch of shit in there. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but that, yeah, that so works so for the first viewing. So he, it wasn't exposition like Miles saying or Gwen saying, what is that? <laughs> please exposit to me. Yeah. Please tell me, even though I have an idea of what you're talking about based on the one based on the title of this. But yeah, I mean, it, so some of that stuff was hard to read at first because of everything's just popping. Everything's looks so colorful. And um, so I'm excited to watch it on a smaller this movie on a smaller screen or at least a screen that I can pause and kind of like slow it down a little bit and kind of catch some of that stuff in the background. Cause I can imagine. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was gonna say, cause I can imagine until, until I'm able to do that, I will never catch all the background Spider-Man things that are happening when they go to HQ, um, stuff like that. I'm sure that we are missing so much of this movie and I'm sure, I'm sure you're, you going four or five times have missed some of the stuff in the background that we won't be able to see until we can, you know, frame, frame peek it a little bit yeah i was gonna say and until then you can go check out new rock stars two videos about them but there was even that one scene that in the real blend podcast lord and miller jokes they put that in because uh the scene in because you wouldn't be able to catch everything until you were watching at home which was the uh oh all right certain actors and actresses that i want to shout out but I, I will in a second um the one spider woman who comes up with the shawl or scarf or I don't, I don't know how to say it when they're entering. And she says, did you spot them or something? And spider woman, the pregnant spider woman, is she still pregnant? No, I don't think she is. She's either having delivered her baby because she's got a little, she's got what I still got from my first baby. Uh, a little bit of a stomach pouch or uh, her, her hubby is, so hot that she's already knocked up again, which honestly would be a bit I'd be down for. Like she's just popping out a new spider baby every 10 months because her husband is corny, but so hot. Um, <laughs> hey, what is okay. So there are so many cast members who come up 
for just like a moment, like uh spider bite. This isn't a moment, but that was the woman who was in, uh, uh, she was in the hate you give and she was in, um, the bodies, bodies, bodies. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, mispronounce her name and I apologize because it, it kind of looks like Amanda, but it's got an L at the end of it. I, I so just learned that. That's Amandala, so I would assume. And Sen- Stenberg. Yep. And then, uh, Gwen Peter is the main guy in the boys, the, the, tw- the twerpy guy, not, uh, not Carl Urban. Uh, oh, uh, you're talking about, um, the Huey, main, the- Howie, Huey. Okay. Um, Andy Sandberg is in, in this movie. Yep. And he's going to be in the second, the next one as well. Uh, he, he was Ben Riley. Uh, you say something. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to, because I think I know where this is kind of leading. So I don't want to say the one that um, excited a lot of people. Uh, I know in the theater that I watched in, a lot it's of people were very excited. That, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I kind of, I have a feeling I know where this is going, but. Oh, uh, um, fun fact that every person who's mentioned it has said, but Peter Stone, the voice of Genki, is the director of the upcoming Elementals, and he's also voiced multiple characters in uh, Pixar movies. Uh, there's one more that I... Oh, that's right. Spider UK. That was the woman with the scarf that I said. She's Sophia Barclay from... What's the... Sh- from Ted Lasso. The uh, spoilers for season three, but also... I only thought of that connection the day that this episode came out, but she is the surprise sister to um, Roy Kent in season three. She's the woman who stitches up or not stitches up, but takes care of Dr. Fieldstone and says, you can't go home if you have a concussion. And the day that was revealed in season three, my daughter and I rewatched that episode, that earlier one with Dr. Fieldstone. And I was like, wait, earlier we see a doctor who skin color looks close to Roy. And then later he's like, she's an ER doctor. She always gets, cause someone gets a knife stuck in her. I was like, but Phoebe, okay, but it's probably not her. Cause Phoebe is so white. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm just being insane. And then it happened. I was like, I'm not being insane. I mean, I am, but also, <laughs> It was I mean, the I scared my daughter. We could probably do a three-hour episode of just that last episode if we just sat down and broke down every callback in the last episode because I'm pretty sure they make a callback to just about every episode in the series or in seasons one and two in that last episode. So we could do a whole thing on that. <laughs> um, I actually need a break, which is insane <laughs> for me to be saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the person that got um, a lot of a, a lot of applause and cheers. Um, um, Insomniac Spider Man. Insomniac Spider Man. Actually, I do want to say that before leading up to yours, because there was a group of like six dudes to my front right, and I saw Thursday three p.m. in the IMAX who just lost their dang mind when Insomniac <laughs> Spider Man came on, and then I and a few others lost my mind when this happened. Um, and that was when, um, Childish Gambino or AKA, I mean, he's got like four different Donald names. Glover, Donald Glover, 
um, came on I think, because I think that's the two names. I, I think there's a third one too. Ooh, um, I didn't know this. Because I think he also raps under a, a different name too. Because um, part of his music is he molds his lifestyles and together into one. Um, so some of his albums are him as one person and another person. Um, but it was funny because he was originally, he originally pitched to be the first Miles Morales, uh, back in the day and it kind of got canceled. Um, oh yeah. So, so it's kind of funny that he brings it all back. Cause he makes a call to that call reference to that in the season two of the community or season three of the community. So this that, is, that was all breaking and then ended up not getting the part and then filmed that season of the community, whether it was two or three. Yeah. So if I'm remembering correctly, I, it was season two, episode one. I only, I, if I'm remembering correctly from what Donald Glover said, someone tweeted when they were casting for the amazing Spider-Man, Hey, maybe Peter. And I don't think, yeah, miles didn't exist at this point, I believe because that was a decade ago. Um, they're like, maybe Peter come, you know, you're going the way he said this, this is going to sound racist. If you think I'm phrasing it like this, he, he said they were saying that, uh, the next Spider-Man movie was going to be darker. So maybe Peter can be darker. <laughs> so they said, what about Donald Glover? He's pretty nerdy. This is what uh, I think around, uh, season one of community was going. He seems like he would be a really good, uh, Peter. And he retweeted what he just thought it was a funny thing. It's like, Hey, yeah, I'd be Peter Parker. Uh, and then the internet just took that and ran with it. It was like, Donald Glover, Peter Parker, Donald Glover, Peter Parker, Donald Glover. <laughs> so that didn't happen. Um, and then, uh, Brian Michael Bendis, he, he said, I believe he said it was inspired by his children who are, he, Brian Michael Bendis is white, his children are not, he was doing the ultimate comics. So he chose to do, uh, Miles Morales and was inspired by, uh, to, to show his children who are people of color that anyone can be Spider-Man. They could be Spider-Man. They could be like, you know, as an inspiration, to them and i think he he might have been inspired by the whole donald glover thing so then after that that's what led to or at least the campaign led to him wearing the spider-man shirt in the beginning of season two uh community and i know that because season three starts with a wild ass <laughs> intro that doesn't fit uh but we a panning shot of everyone having their in their own places like uh annie would woke up in her bed jeff was like already doing crunches upside down inverted from like a bar in his and then uh donald glover's troy gets up in the spider-man shirt which everybody already knows was in spider-verse <laughs> so in uh in uncle aaron's apartment uh and did Spider-Verse come out after Homecoming or before? Um, Must came have been. Out at, I think it's after. Yeah, after. Because then, of course, they keep running with this and they used uh, Donald Glover in Homecoming 1, which we talked about in the tier list, uh, where he, he was like, nah, man, I gotta, I gotta, I don't want those weapons in my neighborhood i got a nephew uh which showed that miles is in the home homecoming came out in 2017 um spider-verse came out 2018 gotcha man donald glover's life i mean he earned it i'll i'll straight up just say let's start with he fucking earned this whole life by 
every fucking step of the way. I back when uh, he was only in Derek comedy, as far as I knew, he was already amazing. But do, now that he's earned this life ten times over, his life is fucking amazing. Like it must be so cool. Be <laughs> like, oh, so oh, you want me to voice uh, Miles Morales in the Ultimate Spider-Man uh, cartoon? Cool. Oh, you want me to come in as uh, the Prowler? <laughs> For a little cameo, cool. Oh, you want to? You're gonna use my footage from Community when we were referencing it in the first one. Cool. Oh, the next one you want me, and I'm gonna be like, <laughs> and uh, what were you saying? He was pitching himself as the original Miles, and then yeah, and then they changed to a, a cool cooler. I mean, it would have been fucking cool either way. I think it would have been cool either way. He he has such a way of like the community or community comedic timing that i think it would have worked perfect i think it i think it would have been a little goofier than it is now uh, where miles would have been a little bit more quippy a little bit punnier um but i think it would have i think it would have killed it um all right this so. is the last time i want to be thinking about what could happen in beyond the spider-verse because i don't want to get in love with some other idea and somehow but it being called Beyond the Spider-Verse, I wonder if we're going to just go full live action at one point. Like not maybe not like everyone's live action, but they're in a fully live action world. And if if Donald Glover could come in as the original Miles Morales, oh that one I'm sure someone would nitpick it, but fuck it. <laughs> if he could come <laughs> in as the first Miles Morales, that could mean We'd have a whole movie with a live action Donald Glover in the Spider Verse. And of course, I, I think they. I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, dude, we got you for two evenings. If we had you as Miles, we'd need to use you for more. We would need to. So, what do we got? Or probably actually 20 minutes. <laughs> what can we do in 20 minutes? You have to be sitting. <laughs> you got to be the bad guy. We can't say that we caught well no we could they could have they they had jailed other spider-mans yeah they jailed the insomniac spider-man so statement withdrawn Mm. um so i guess they could have still worked but why would he need to be jailed insomniac spider-man was that wait now that's interesting oh that's right i think the video game characters next to insomniac spider-man and insomniac spider-man was not technically jailed he wasn't in the thing he was just chilling because he's a good spider-man but next to him was the green goblin from like a ps1 or game boy spider-man game like nine pixels (laughs) 16 8 or 16 bit uh 16 bit but like it if you're watching the movie from your perspective, he's to the right of Insomniac Spider-Man. I only know that because of new rock stars <laughs> telling me. Um, I, I still worth it for him, for uh, all the villains cheering Miles Spider-Man, and then you just seeing him and all the other ones going boo to the. Other. <laughs> um, and then we we got another moment of the Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other. When he says that he's com- Spider-Man's coming through, you know, Sector Four or whatever, and everybody like looks around and starts pointing at each other. So that was pretty funny. I mean, I I laughed pretty hard. It was it was it was done really well, and like 
just like spot on. Just I don't think they could have changed. I don't think you could change that scene and make it any better. I know people have talked about you talking about the escape sequence. Yeah, when he's um, actually cloaked on whatever Spider-Man that comes through the door's back. Yeah. Uh, I know some people have said, like, why didn't he go invisible sooner? And I think you could have done it where with what I'm about to say and had some invisibility and have it still work. That'd probably be the smarter one in a real-life situation. But I think that him like hiding on that other side he knew he wasn't gonna like be able to get out of that whole building just hanging on the back of another spider-man i think he was play hiding in that moment so that he could make all the other spider people who don't know that he has invisibility powers believe that he's trying to escape instead of just trying to lure them away (laughs) yeah because that's all he was trying to do he's just trying to lure them away and try and get everybody to the other side so that way he could do the, the go home machine, yeah. go back to a world that's not actually his. Um, cause he got bit, cause we got bit by a spider, spider from a different world. So he goes back to that world and not necessarily his world yeah. where his dad died instead of his uncle. And yeah. Like this, this is a movie where we need to have moments that are not realistic in real life. So I'm, not going to say that this is a criticism because it's definitely not, but it is interesting thinking about that sequence of like, okay, if this was real life, what would be the smartest thing to do? Which I would probably say be invisible for most of that before you jump out of the window and then like play like your, your invisibility, invisibility failed and be like, ah, oh no, no, no. I don't know. Tap your, sh- they don't fucking know how your invisibility <laughs> works. And then jump out the window, have them all follow, get on that train, lure them all away. And then when Miguel, when he's like taking the power from Miguel, he's like, you're not stopping me from getting to the moon. And then like hit him off you, go invisible, then jump off the train, go back to the go, go, uh, go home machine. And then let Spider Bite be like, oh, you're halfway to the moon, Miguel, but it's powering up for no reason. <laughs> then Miguel can't even get back <laughs> to, to almost uh, fix it or not fix it, uh, stop it. Uh, that if so, word to the wise, anyone, if you end up with superpowers and the ability <laughs> turn invisible and you go to another dimension, just be a little smarter than Miles. But. <laughs> For the movie, it works because, of course, you know, it's such a good moment when Peter E. Parker was like, so he did have a plan. <laughs> because Actually, that's another compliment I want to give this sequence because when Miguel is fighting him, he's like, you've got nowhere to run. You like you have no plan. And he's like, I have a plan. I just haven't told you yet. That sounds so much like what was the moment in the first movie when he's like, he he was faking like he could do it, <laughs> do something. He's like, uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it just I, it, it sounds like t- typical teenager. Like, I've got a plan, but I'm not going to tell you what that plan is. Okay, yeah. you don't have a plan. No, no, I have one, but I'm not. Telling you <laughs> I don't yeah. want you to ruin my plan. <laughs> uh, I'll have to rewatch Into the Spider Verse sometime. Uh, suffer, cry for me, <laughs> like pray for me that I have to. But the, it's definitely referencing some moments in the earlier one where he's like, I, I know, I just haven't told. You. Oh, oh, oh. Um, it's probably with Uncle Aaron where he's like, uh, 
I, I'm laying when they're talking about the girl. <laughs> it's like any any girls you're interested in, like Sparkles is where it's at. He's <laughs> like, oh yeah, I've been. I just haven't uh, talked to. I think it was something in there. Uh, anyway, it's definitely a reference to the first one, and I loved that they used that and tricking us into thinking it's just a reference or just typical teenage bullshit. <laughs> but no, boom. All right. The reveal at the end, Earth 42. When did you know? Um, I wasn't really thinking that hard into it. I was just so engrossed with the the um, visual aspect and the, the, the vibe that that movie was. I wasn't thinking too deep into it. Um, no. So I didn't know until, until it got revealed. Till he, till he glitched. Till he glitched. It made, and then they yeah. kind of explained it a little bit. And I was like, oh, that 100% makes sense. Yeah. I know some people, I think like Shifferless Productions or something, called it a little earlier, but I, I thought that was so perfect because when I was watching it the first time, I was like, I, I just thought it was hilarious that she didn't know who Spider Man was. And then my brain, how it is, of course, like as it goes, it's like, Oh wait, they they messed up because in the I th- unless she just we're supposed to believe she wasn't paying attention in the first movie, uh, Jefferson does say, "Baby, you know how I feel about Spider Man." <laughs> it's like so. I guess technically she could be like, "Yeah, yeah, your work, blah blah blah, Spider Man." Ooh, such tough tough problems at work getting help from a superhero. <laughs> you know, maybe she. But wait, Comics Con, and I, I know she's messing it up on. Per, or you know because she doesn't know it like my daughter's grandmother who's hispanic says mac and donald's okay but miles would know he has collectibles <laughs> which by the way when that happened me and a few other people went ah <laughs> when she ripped it open but i was like wait he's not and then he glitched i was like oh <laughs> like so per- chef's kiss perfectly done uh I love it. Yeah. Um, I like I kind of going back to how the travel and everything. I like that everybody has a um there's certain canon events that have to happen and that that uh, Miles stopped one in the Indian world, which is gonna lead to the destruction of that world, which kind of sucks. But I'd like how when you go into a world and start changing canon events, that, that that world basically just implodes on itself, which I thought was a really neat idea. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if, like, obviously it doesn't need to happen right away like the Indian movie, or <laughs> the Indian planet. Not the Indian planet, they just drop into a hyper-developed India. Which I have to keep rem- reminding myself, because they do make a joke that the British stole all, all our stuff. It's yeah. not like Star Wars where the whole planet is that thing, but... I mean, in my defense, they did trick us into thinking he was falling into like a continent and falling through all the layers. Um, But like with Miguel O'Hara's one, obviously it didn't cause a black hole the second he took that guy's spot, the father's spot. And with uh, Miles, if if everything Miguel said is 100% true and not just creating a theory and then ascribing it to everybody uh miles has been spider-man for over a year he filled the spot of peter for a while and like stopped the collider from going off which i imagine if the collider successfully went off that would have created a a black hole or whatever uh destroyed the world 
but eventually hit the ripples reference to spirited ripples ripples <laughs> um the ripples caught up with spot um so i i like it yeah i, I mean i like it too i thought it was that was really well done yeah. overall um i like this movie a little bit more than um into the spider-verse um there are some things i like better in the last movie um, there are some things I like better in this movie, but I think overall this is a more entertaining movie, um, a little bit deeper. Um, I, I'm excited to watch it a second time. I'm excited to to order it as soon as it comes out and start kind of pixel peeping everything. I already pre-ordered uh, Best Buy Steelbooks. <laughs> um, I I don't know for me yet because obviously the easiest thing to say is the first one was a complete movie. This is a two-parter, uh, but I do like what they do. I, Lord and Miller in the interview with the Real Blend podcast said that they, after announcing part one and two, they really worked to make this a contained story, and they think they succeeded. I think that's half true, and like some reviews that I've seen, they say if you track their character arcs, this is a complete character arc. Like that's true. Uh, when Miles comes back, he says that he he beat them all. And for Gwen, at the end, she's like, I never found a band I liked, so I made my own. I think what they did successfully is they did a part one of a two-part story at the same time as making Gwen and Miles kind of co-leads of this film. Yeah, I think that that's why, like right after Spider-Verse came out and everyone was raving about it, it was announced that they were developing a... Gwen spinoff, a Spider-Gwen spinoff, and a Miles sequel. And I think what they ended up doing is the same thing they did with X-Men First Class, which is they took a movie they were going to do, X-Men Origins Magneto. Any guesses why they didn't do that film? (laughs) And they rolled those details into a a main X-Men film. Um. So that I think that's why we have the twenty minutes with Gwen at the beginning. It felt yeah. it, it. It didn't feel off, um, but I could imagine people that have not seen the first one go there and expecting a Spider-Man movie and get you know Gwen for the first twenty minutes are probably pretty confused. Yeah. Ooh, that's one thing. I, all right. So before I c- finish talking about the structure of this film, I wanted to talk about Gwen because. Uh, when the first Spider-Verse movie came out, people talked about the post credit scene and be like, huh, weird. Like, this is the only world where it actually changes the art style of a spider person. You know, in, in Miles' world, everyone comes and they retain their own art, their art style in Miles' world, or at least that's what we thought. And then in the post credit scene, Miguel clearly has his own art style, goes into the Spider-Man 60s or I don't know that you, you were pointing first. No, I'm pointing, you know, that whole bit. And then his art style changes. Uh, this one, Gwen in her own world and Gwen in miles's world, she has two kind of different art styles. Like she's it's got, close. She's got a, yeah. She's got more of like a colored pencils, um, shading, um, type of, um, very blue, very pink shading in her world. And then when she comes to Miles' world, she basically becomes the same art style as Miles. But yeah. nobody else really does that either because um, 
it doesn't yeah i don't think anybody else does that in this movie yeah because when everybody goes to hq everybody's got their own art style and everything yeah so i think i could see that there's like uh there's just inconsistency some some worlds make you conform to their art style maybe i don't know um but with that all said i really really want to see miles go to gwen's world and see miles's art style change and no one else's change maybe even uh so that we can have a visual moment where like they are the same like and i just want so the way it was described her world uh the way everyone described it to Haley seinfeld is your world is a mood ring so that's why the art style changes so much um oh and to harken back to the mid credit scene of the last video the tier list uh i on my fourth watch i like gentle cried four times like as in i mean i'm watching and i just know the positive emotions that are gonna flow over me and then i just start like crying happily so it, it wasn't like amazing spider was like <laughs> drama um and i had seen it three times before so it wasn't a surprise but so now i've got a tie <laughs> which at the time of the tier list i was being honest i didn't i hadn't cried in across the spider-verse <laughs> but gosh i'm so i'm so excited for beyond the spider-verse i'm so excited i said in the tier list but they really didn't make rio her full character here and oh like a like a moment that i'm not familiar with but that people talked in interviews that I love on a rewatch or not interview interviews is when uh, Miles says, yeah, whatever, whatever. And then like you see a pause on Rio and Jeff's side. And then you see a pause with Miles. He's like, and then she goes, whatever <laughs> it's like and they what i didn't understand what people talked about in their reviews was like that puerto rican mom thing of saying the exact wrong word and knowing that just because you said it you're gonna get yelled at and i guess whatever is one of those words ah i loved it also i want to add when Jeff is yelling at Miles and the music goes out and he's like, what do you want to tell me? And then Miles might say something and he, seeing the context, he decides to say, you know what? Never mind." And he walks away with his hood on. I love that they added that for one simple reason. Um, I, I grew up in a cop's household. And I know for a fact that if a lot of cops are like one of the cops in my household, uh, at the very least, at least one of them in my household, I'm not going to name them. Uh, seeing an African-American 15-year-old just say, never mind, like that, or just seeing them walk down the street with a, a hood up like that, they'd be like, oh, that kid's a gangbanger. Which is, uh, we, we know. We know that's a stupid fucking idea. Uh, but I think because of that stereotype, we haven't seen a lot. I don't remember many African-American characters having a hood up like that. And it just being, no, they're not. They're just a nice person. They're just, fi they're, they're just wearing a hood right now. Uh, so I liked adding that so that 
maybe maybe they can start putting a crack in some uh what what's the metaphor i'm trying to make like a little crack in the armor of that argument of like of that bias um and i also love that at the end of the movie the hoodie that he grabs really quick before he reveals the spider-man has green and purple because <laughs> it's the prowlish colors oh i was like yeah. wait green and purple i was like uh oh yep got it yeah oh and we sh- everyone c- like we were being hinted that the prowler was miles because the reason miles is tied up to a punching bag is because the other miles had that idea in the first spider verse miles <laughs> tied up peter b parker <laughs> to the punching bag uh what is it uh, uncle aaron wouldn't have thought of that <laughs> that was a total miles thing and uh yeah, I'm going to mention, I was going to mention another theory, but I don't want to color people's ideas of the sequel. And it, it's not my theory. <sighs> um, I, I am excited for the theory, or not a theory. I'm excited, sorry. I'm excited for the next movie. Um, I just hope, uh, I know it's going to be a while. Um, I know they're already talking about. Um, Less than a year. Was, yeah, I think it was like winter of 2024, I think is when the next one was slated for. Um, but I don't want them to really rush it. I'd rather rather them take their time and we get a good, solid movie than trying to rush out a sequel. March 29th, 2020. Wait, what? Yeah, that seems super uh, early. 2024. Um, there's a moment. Really, everybody, go see the Real Blend interview with the musician. But they asked about... Uh, very gently about beyond the spider verse they were like if you had to handle all this they were trying to ask it in a way that there would be no spoilers like how are you even thinking about beyond the spider verse and he he was like i'm so tired all of us are so tired so if you've noticed in interviews we kind of have an agreement that we're not gonna talk about beyond the spider verse for a month so in solidarity I'm going to skip that question <laughs> because we are so tired. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, they, especially when he said that there's only, there's only him and his assistant for doing the entire score, the entire music of the movie. And then you've got all the animators that are doing all the different animations throughout this movie. But then you've got to have another group of like CGI to br- bring in the real world stuff and kind of, uh, mix some of that animation together because I'm sure it's it's hard to mix animation like the free cells of everything. But um, yeah, I can imagine those guys worked, and I hope that they, I especially Spider Punk. Yeah, I hope they get the recognition they deserve. I hope they get the monetary recognition that they deserve as well too, because um, this movie has been pretty successful, um, and I, I expect it to be very successful in the grand scheme of things. And uh, shout out to, I think, Nando V movies. Uh, but if anyone was wondering how Spider-Punk left his uh, his watch behind, but gave Gwen a spider uh, a watch. And oh, I teased that it still made sense. So I'm <laughs> full circle. This is intended. This is so, I'm so good at this. It's not. Yeah, this is awesome. I'm just lucky that I remembered. We, we play this. <laughs> you should see the script that we're reading from. <laughs> Uh, no, Brad has enough integrity. It's all me because my memory <laughs> is garbage. No, um, someone pointed out that Hobie uh, s- 
taking all the stuff off the walls where he's like, I bet this doesn't even do anything. And Miles says it might've before you ripped it out of the walls. Oh yeah. And as that, they're walking down the hallway, ripping, he's ripping off like parts yeah. off the machines and stuff. So he, the reason he's here is well, one, he said, uh, I think in that actual same moment, miles is like, why are you even here? If you don't want to be, he's like, just looking out for my drummer. Uh, so that means he's there to watch out for Gwen, which is like, Dude, if you if if you both have been physical, but you're casual, you're such a good person. Just in general, you're not a good dude. You're a good person. You're just like I like this person as a person, and I'm gonna look out for them because I know shit's not right. I mean, again, another moment where he's like, just hear what you're signing up for before, or like, don't sign up before you know what the mission is or whatever. Like, he's not for this. He and he knows he wants Miles to be as. Well, that sounds egotistical. Uh, I was going to say he wants Miles to be as good as him, <laughs> you know. Um, but so he's still punk rock because he joined the group to understand the science of the watches. And as soon as he figured it out, how to do it himself, he abandoned it, ma- made his own so that he can't be monitored by Miguel or tracked by Miguel. And he must have at least made two because for him to go to Gwen's universe and then get back to his own, he had to have his own watch <laughs> so that he could leave the other one behind with a little note on it. Ah, I, I, I love Hobie so much. He's, he's my favorite new spider. Uh, spider India is a close second because he <laughs> oh uh, i know we've all seen it but uh and then i just she she's perfect and i love spending time with hello inspector uh i don't know inspector singh uh, this is your daughter and i do not know her <laughs> <laughs> um even though his hair his hair in non-spider-man and in spider-man the exact same that too you can <laughs> oh yeah but he's like, I get up and I, I don't work out because I don't want to get too buff. I'm naturally <laughs> I, I do nothing with my hair. Nothing? Maybe a little coconut oil. <laughs> it's like, ah, <laughs> uh, like that was good. Because I, I mean, I don't, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And mainly because we, people who make movies these days, they've just been educated by the movies they see. So, the, you know. When all you see is let let me put it this way: when all you see is the secondary character, the main supporting character, a woman, be captured all the time. Let's say the Raimi Spider-Man movies, you just unconsciously start thinking, okay, so the female lead needs to be captured, the male lead, blah blah. Um, so I I wouldn't be surprised if the people in charge were like, okay, we got an Indian character; they're probably pretty. They're they're Peter Parker or their Spider-Man who is nerdy. So let's do extra nerdy. And then, but yeah, because of everyone's input, they did something different and made him cool. Like it's fine to have a cool Spider-Man. Everyone's a cool Spider-Man. Like you think Nick Cage's Spider-Man wasn't cool. He's fucking cool. Betty Parker, (laughs) even uh, Peter Parker, they're cool in their own ways. And I'm trying Um, to remember what the girl's name is with the um, Gwen. No, the other one. The, um, with the spacesuit, that was like the anime one. Sp- oh, uh, Penny Parker. Is it Penny? Okay. Yeah, I thought it was something cooler, but yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to 
defend pennies. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ooh, oh, another cool casting is was a, a a handy capable person played the handy capable Spider-Man. <laughs> and it, how you make such an impression in three seconds. Do you think spider people use comedy as a crutch? Get it? Crutch. <laughs> it's like that had to be an input from a handy capable person, either her like as the joke or from the comics with that, because I, as someone who does not need crutches to operate every day, I would one, I'd never come up with that on my own. I wouldn't have <laughs> think of that. And two, if I did, I'd be like, Oh no, that's a bad taste because I don't need crutches. <laughs> like I'm not even going to write that. That's a bad, kind of like uh, with uh, John Wick four, where I was like, Oh, Kane, are we going to be, oh, he, he's not able to see. <laughs> like, that's not something I would say publicly except to shame myself for my dumb brain. Um, and I loved it. I love, it's just, it, it felt the way they make this feel so real in every moment with every little person. Hell, even in the, uh, in the car chase portion of the chase where, uh, the guy gets scared by miles and then, uh, Miguel lands on a woman and she goes like this. He's, <laughs> I didn't catch it the first couple times. Uh, but miles says snitch. And I think, with whatever f flip or a uh, thwip that he does, it just says snitch <laughs> in it, like how they said bagel when they threw the bagel and hit the guy and the last one. Oh, uh, I, I mean, I noticed the bagel one because you told us, told me about it, but yeah, I didn't recognize it this time. I, I didn't notice that until people online <laughs> pointed it out, but, uh, all right. I feel like we're winding down. And if we, wind down and we don't actually talk about the spot <laughs> that's kind oh, of <laughs> yeah um i, I can maybe i can't blame the marketing people <laughs> no i'm just kidding um i thought he was he had a he was a solid villain with a solid mm, i don't want to say solid motivation he had, a, he had a good motivation understandable understandable motivation that I feel like was underutilized just a little bit. They used him as more of a way to like explain the multiverse of everything and not so much as like, this is what, here's what he wants to do. And then just kind of falls off from there. So, I mean, yeah. I, I wish if my one criticism of this movie would probably be make him stronger, make him a little bit more well-defined and make him more of a threat to everybody and not so much just, um miles morales for like half of this movie and then the second half of the movie is just like basically irrelevant because then we get brought into um spider-man 2099 and that he becomes like the pseudo bad guy for the rest of the movie which uh you know as we said we've scripted this ahead of time which naturally brought us back to that other hanging thread that i <laughs> I pointed earlier of talking about the structure <laughs> <laughs> first half of the movie is the spot escalation and then the second half is Miguel. What I what I liked about that, well, one, the fact that that skin and that he actually like can't get work and that he gets mocked and it is Spider-Man's fault technically. Like, I thought that was great. That was a great start. Definitely felt like a villain of the week. 
Um, but as he kept going, one, I love moments like in the in uh, Spider Man India, his world, where they actually try Valiant. Like, no, you're not a joke. I'm sorry I said that. Like, right, team? And everyone's like, yeah. Duh. And then, of course, Spider Punk is like, I don't believe in comedy. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, in other movies, that would have been enough. Like, I, I'm sure there was something similar with uh, with the first Puss in Boots movie with uh, Humpty Dumpty. Like, he got redeemed when he knew he wasn't a joke uh, in in Puss's eyes. But here, it's like, oh no, of course that wouldn't work. This is the last moment before he's about to go in and level up again. And he's he's not just going to be convinced to do a whole... 180 off four random people or three random people and one arch nemesis of him saying one thing nice well the uh, spider punks is a little questionable (laughs) (laughs) if you wanted to analyze it so much be like so you're not making saying i'm a joker you are but i i really liked i think yeah that they really should have I don't I don't know how you point out that this is a part one without say I don't know. Yeah. Cause I mean, then this- I had I had zero idea walking into this movie. Oh okay. I mean I was I was a little little let down at the end of the movie and I and I was just like like I didn't know this is a one of two, otherwise I wouldn't have been so jacked. Because I was expecting a resolution and it didn't get the full resolution that I wanted, so yeah. Maybe they should have added a villain like Helvetica, <laughs> which I loved. The, uh, um, I'll see you in Helvetica. And he's like, oh, bold. Um, maybe they should have added a villain who's like meta, like the meta person's like, and I don't know, mentioned, I'll see you in Beyond the Spider-Verse or something. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. They they break the fourth wall all the time, so I mean they could do something like that and get away with it, but yeah, I don't know or, if that's the direct the way you want to go with that. But oh, I know the perfect spot. Maybe after uh, after Donald Glover goes boo with everybody, just have somebody next to him that's like meta, and it's like, oh man, the run uh, credits are soon. They're not going to finish up this story in time. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Something like I'm sure people on a first viewing wouldn't believe that. Be like, oh, that's a weird thing to say. They'll, well, we got enough time for an ending, <laughs> like 20 more minutes. But at least that would put a put the breadcrumb in the back of your mind. I don't know what I was doing with my hand. <laughs> but yeah, there's. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention was if anyone watches the in review, I think rewatch for Into the Spider Verse on Kind of Funnies, they had the guest uh, guest who was the animator of the Spider Man, or not the animator, the designer, and he said he designed every single Spider Man except for like eight of them in the whole this whole movie, and I think he worked on the first one, but he he does the in review with them, and it, it's not an interview. Uh, with the guy but you'll you'll get some cool little tidbits and they also did that before this movie came out so they kind of had to be non-spoilery um 
Yeah. I mean, that, that, that I'm sure that alone took a, a large amount of work Yeah, just to get that. I mean, because there are probably, I don't know, I haven't looked. I'm going to say 75 to 100 different Spider-Man throughout this movie. 180. Oh, wow. Even more than, way more. <laughs> I only know that because he said it. Um, all right. So I know. I, do you want to look up what the box office right now is? Because I'll say the budget. I. It's not confirmed, confirmed, but there's been estimates or the word is that this is a $100 million film, which is. I, I'm gonna look up the budget of Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania just to <laughs> one seventy five. I don't know. I'm guessing. I haven't looked up that. I'm gonna say one seventy five to two hundred. All right. Uh, but do you have the box office so far for this? Yeah, uh, two hundred million. Two hundred million for that film. That was the budget of that film compared to this half as much. Uh, that's. Wow. Um, I've, got the, I've, got, I've got the number on, on Wikipedia, but I think it's more than that. Um, All right. Look up I saw our- box office mojo, and I'm just going to yep. uh, say into the Spider-Verse's box office so that we can celebrate what you're going to say, because the total box office worldwide for Into the Spider-Verse was $384.3 million. And I've said this, I said in the last one, the only reason I like that Morbius exists is because that took the bottom spot of all the Spider-Man movies box office. It was a crime that Into the Spider-Verse was at the bottom of the list before that. I've heard reviews say as much that they were that they saw it was animated and they thought little of it. And then they saw it at home and they're like, I made a massive mistake not seeing this in the theater. But uh, what's the current box office for Across the Spider-Verse? trying to figure out how to do this worldwide i mean i can see the domestic pretty easily um oh there herp, 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 herp. it's right there if i would just read down the line um domestically um about 160 million internationally about 100 or about 88 million which brings it up to um roughly 248 million dollars so far in, in in one one weekend basically one full week because it came out thursday night and we are recording this the day that we do the um the tier list also thursday night <laughs> i i mean if we rewound one week at this time the time that we're recording which is 7 52 p.m chicago 8 52 p.m uh florida i would be watching it for a second time so i've seen it five times in less than a week uh twice in one day days, so good yeah, the first day. I, I knew I, we were going to rewatch it, so we just watched it twice on Thursday. <laughs> we got ice cream in the in between. It was nice. But good, good, because, yeah, that's all I got to say. Good. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait to see where this lands. And <sighs> Yeah, quarter billion dollars at this time. Um, I, would, I would imagine by the time this leaves theaters, it'll probably be 600, 700. Um, I hope. Uh, oh, I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna walk that back a little bit because we have Transformers um, just took tra- all the Dolby screens. <laughs> Transformers. After that, we there's Oppenheimer the next weekend, and then Indiana Jones or Indiana Jones and Oppenheimer because that comes out. 
I don't know about Indiana Jones, but I do know that Oppenheimer, um, I think Mission Impossible Ghost, uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 might come out before, I don't know. Uh, I I know that there was some rumor that Tom Cruise is trying to get uh, IMAX screens because uh, Christopher Nolan has an exclusive three weeks for Oppenheimer um, in IMAX. Anyway, I, I hope it at least gets half a billion dollars. And I hope that this movie's budget is so dang low because everyone was, was paid scale, but given really good points. <laughs> which is box office grosses like so i i hope everybody on this movie was able to pay rent by a hair and now we're just gonna be fucking millionaires <laughs> <laughs> like everyone who worked for a long time on this especially and everyone who gave one line i hope they get a sweet fifty thousand dollar check at the very least everyone from his comedy a crutch <laughs> to <laughs> Um, so Indiana Jones comes out at the end of the month, um, July or June, sorry, June 30th, Friday, June 30th, um, Dead Reckoning Reckoning is the, uh, July 12th and then Oppenheimer is July 21st. So, I mean, we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of movies coming up, um, here in the next month or so. Uh, So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say this reaches 650, 650 box office. Okay, I think it'll be. I think it'll be really, really tough, but I think I think worldwide we can get there. True, worldwide especially. Yeah, as long as I'm as long as this makes, well, it's gonna make more than Into the Spider Verse. I'm just happy it's not gonna be lower on the list and the fact that it's going to make more than into the spider verse i mean if into the spider verse making 384 million was enough to green light two immediate sequels like woo, what are we going to have after this there there was even talk that lord and miller were going to be in charge of like television live action spider-man stuff for sony which i don't know if that's still going to be relevant but whatever oh and couldn't uh wrap up without mentioning this apparently some teenager did like a viral uh lego spider-man trailer and i thought when i heard the story that was into the spider-verse but a review that i was watching today showed stuff from across the spider-verse and lego so whichever way it went that teenager got hired to direct the lego portion of this film which oh that's funny is just so fucking cool like that's that's pretty awesome and this is kind of like uh i think someone did better de-aging for the irishman online using deep fakes and then they got hired by like lucasfilm or someone it's just so super cool to see like random internet creators doing cool shit being acknowledged by being acknowledged by hollywood and not having that oh well we can't hire him he's a he's an internet creator we gotta you know uh. well because i mean they what was it um mando season end of mando season one when um they brought oh that that's what it is that's why and then the the people did better de-aging on like tiktok and stuff like that they hired them to do the de-aging process for the second season that's what it was see my memory this is why we need a script yeah i mean i wrote one i just i can't read so i don't know (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry, I just got so entertained by the tangent I went off in my own head, just imagining a, a reality where you can write, but you can't read, and I can read, but I can't write, and that's why we do a podcast together. Oh, that'd be that'd be rough. Uh, I it would be one of those things of like, wait, how does that universe? No, it doesn't. All right, we'll just. Suspension of disbelief. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to talk about before we head out? No, I think I'm good. I was totally knowing the tearless time. I was like, are we going to talk for five hours about this film? We <laughs> technically could if we went frame by frame, but uh, I, we, we missed uh, the time. I'm sure. I'm sure there's more that we could have went through and picked apart and, um compared and contrast against the last movie we could do this for five hours if we wanted to but i don't yeah. think either of us want to do that done on a night like and tonight we could do that with review a thought if we ever get there which segue uh stick around for the review of thoughts of the mission possible movies in anticipation and the run-up of dead reckoning part one those are going to be on twitch first and then they'll be ad free on movies and They'll be on YouTube and Spotify and everywhere you get your podcast elsewhere. But that starts next Wednesday on the 12th and speaking or on the 14th. And speaking of Wednesday, the 14th, that's also when the spot giveaway happens. So click that link for the Instagram below. Hit a like button if, if the platform lets you or get, leave a rating if that platform lets you, whichever, wherever you're listening or watching this. Thank you so much. I've been Brian at Movies Are Dope. I'm Brad, Dr. Brad Octavius and at Brad F912. And we've got a special guest for the mission review a thons. <sighs> Just I'll we'll we can talk about this movie for five hours and we'll do that in the comments. Or at least I will. I'm not gonna promise that Brad's gonna do that because this is the only part of the whole video or podcast where the, I'm improving. <laughs> Don't fact check that. <laughs> <laughs> and the recording? I'm checking with you before I do. Oh, I'm good. Yep. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye now. <laughs>
more it's not a complete movie and a complete story so it just it it it, it edges it out spider-verse into the spider-verse edges it out for me but with that being said i'm i think averaged with brad's it it then becomes before into the spider-verse so i'm gonna record myself changing the tier list and putting it over this part and continue credits uh let me see here i'm just trying to find a way that to soften this because every time i put this down you're gonna hear clunk and i don't want to clunky this shit up you need a coaster i do let me (laughs) try it Oh, that's going in as the <laughs> post credit scene for the review. 